Welcome to The Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. My name is Emma and I'll be your host for today's episode. So today I'm joined by another absolutely amazing woman, but before I get started, I will just say that we have changed the names of the people who we're speaking to speaking about um, purely for the sake of protecting people's identity. And I will also offer a trigger warning as well. So today we are speaking about experiences of family and domestic violence. So just wanna let you know before you get into the episode that there could be things discussed today that may um, create some emotional responses. But before we get into that, thank you so much. There is an amazing woman sitting across from me right now, Cassie. Now Cassie is a mum to seven. Now three of those children are her biological children and four are children that she has, let's say, collected along the way. I would say that, <laughs> yes. Um, and that's Accumulated, part of, maybe. Accumulated, that's yeah. it. Um, hopefully you've reached capacity, but you never know. Um, I think the heart has yes, capacity. Yes, I do. do? <laughs> yes, I do. <laughs> uh, so Cassie describes her life as living in a funny farm. It's my absolute favourite kind of household. So as, uh, along with the seven children, she also has two dogs, some chickens, a parrot that doesn't stop talking. And Cassie says that she loves camping and she loves the beach. So thank you so much for joining me today, Cassie. Thanks for having me, Emma. Um, no, I'm, I'm so incredibly grateful. So you... You have had experiences with family and domestic violence. Yes, definitely. Yep. Yep. So nobody, I guess one of the things that I often um, say to people is, you know, we didn't know that he was going to be like that. Well, nobody becomes abusive on the first date. Correct. Definitely. So tell me how you met Adam. Okay. Well, I went to high school with him. Mm -hmm. So um, he was the cool, he was the naughty boy. He was the cool boy and I was just the you know, just blended in. And um, once he started taking a little bit of interest in me, it was like, wow. Um, But yeah, when we we hung out all the time and we we spent a lot of time together and he was, he became my best friend and he was, he was a good, good man. He Mm. he grew into not so much, but yeah. Yeah. So that's right. You don't actually know you're walking into a violent situation at all. Yeah. And I think, you know, if they were violent on the first date, you wouldn't go for a second. Well, you'd be silly, wouldn't you? <laughs> well, yeah, this is true. Or desperate. Yeah. Either way. Also. <laughs> um, so tell me about what the relationship was like to start with. Well, the relationship was amazing, to be honest. We were best friends. We grew up together. We had the same interests. We both loved camping, the beach. Um, we were just kids. He was in the same year. We met in year nine. So, you know, you're just a baby. You're so oblivious to the outside world when you fall in love at that age, I think. And Um, you grow up together. You do, you do. And that's the thing. You do all those little achievements together as well, you know, like buying a house, buying Mm. your first car even, you know, like and going for drives and doing all those things. And we, we spent every single day together and we were best friends and... It was, it was, it was good. It was, yeah. It's always so interesting when people meet someone and fall in love when they are still babies. Yes, I, I, I steer my children far, far clear from that, <laughs> that avenue. But um, yeah, you can even see, I know I've seen my, one of my boys fall head over heels for this girl and, you know, down the track she, she found someone else or, you know, oh, yeah. they're just kids. And it broke his heart. Yeah. And I'm like, well, you know, it's it's not such a bad thing because it's nice to grow and find yourself, I think, before falling in love. And 
So you fell in love and then now you did it a little bit backwards. You fell in love, had babies and got course. married. Of course. Mm-hmm. Well, I had two babies, then got married mm-hmm. and then had another baby. Yeah. <laughs> so, yep, every, you've got to do everything, you know. You've got to do it you, your own way. Yeah, that's right. It's good to be an individual. Yeah. At what point? At what point did you start to see some cracks show in the relationship? Um, look, I would probably say I put up with a lot that many would just go, oh, you know, that's uh, that's not accepted. But I think when you have so much history and so much love for somebody and so much financial, like, investment. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you sort of overlook little things, but I would probably say when my youngest boy, uh, my middle boy was probably about nine months old and, um, yeah, just, just cracks started coming through. There was no support and then it just rolled on from there. So did it start with physical violence? Definitely not. Mm-hmm. Definitely not. Um, I would say the jealousy was one probably the biggest thing. Um, I feel for me that's another total different topic, but it is accepted if it's um, spoken about, controlled, and um, agreed upon. But the jealousy was just out of, out of the out of this world. Um, and then it was the control of where I was, who I was with what time I got home, um, what time I read a text message um, and then if um, minutes didn't align, I would then have um, the coming home to having to explain, you know, my whereabouts within those minutes and then, yeah, then rolled on to putting a GPS on the car and um it was just all these little things and then the money you know um I was never allowed access to money I had to ask for every everything even food for the kids or how much shopping money um and then you just start living on eggshells and you start living at that higher higher you know anxiety Yeah, yeah heightened stage definitely so you start noticing all this and then you're noticing other people not having those um confrontations or having that that in front of them so you start realizing hang on a sec and that's difficult because you had been with him from such a young age yes is it normal that your partner wants to know where you are every minute of the day yeah I think you know it's I think it's normal to a certain degree but it was oh no yeah but you know I think I think it's nice to sort of have that understanding of it it's good to have that okay you know this is what I'm up to today this is what you're up to today but yeah I think when you three minutes past five yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. and like why didn't you why didn't you read my text message so you know well because I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old in the car and I'm stopping them from putting tomato sauce all over the the seat (laughs) so you know it's yeah and there was never any understanding it was just um he was always in um suspicion mode or thinking thinking something was happening and did you know that he'd put the gps on the car no when did you find that out uh not till years later and it went to court oh wow yep yeah, look, it blows. All of these things still blow my mind. That uh, and this is, it's quite a common occurrence. It is, it is, and I think the more you actually talk about it, the more um, 
it, women know it's okay to talk about it. And, you know, like, as you said, accumulating these kids, one of those kids ha- was has been exposed. And it's funny, I picked up when she was coming around that something wasn't right. She never come to me, I spoke about it. And it was, it was just, I have, I felt I had that um, inner um, experience, I guess, of reading how, how her body language was yeah. and talk the way she spoke about her stepfather and also her mother. And it's just like, something's not right here. Yeah. So I think, yeah, the more we talk about it and are aware of it, it's, it does. It's nice just to have an ear yeah. that listens. And to know that people will listen without judging. Oh, correct. I mean, the thing is, unfortunately, people are always going to judge mm. or form their own opinions. But And when you're in such a um, defeated state, you really are on awareness of that. Yeah. So the, the protective walls go up and you end up living two lives. Mm. Yeah. And that's really hard. I struggle to live one life. Yeah, <laughs> you know? I know. I would I would love <laughs> to choose to the second life, yeah. but that one that you have to go home to, yeah. yeah. So it did escalate to the point of physical violence? Yes, it did. Physical and sexual. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the point that I got where I knew that this has to, had to end um, was when my kids were getting in, like, been brought into the situation and they were um on the firing line and they were on the front line of it all and I just I I tried to get out so many times and I did I left once and was forced back Mm. financially and um and unfortunately escalated from there because he knew I had told people and then from there I was I was actually frightened for my life and that is the most dangerous time for people Correct. in yep. um, family and domestic violence situations. It's when they're getting ready to leave or when they've just left. When they've just left, yeah. 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 So you had two children when the violence started. Yes. And you married him anyway. Yes. And I know that sounds so silly to somebody who's um, sitting there going, I just don't comprehend why women stay and I just don't get it. And I just want to um, preface this with... We spoke off air that I'm not asking que- – there is absolutely no judgment in oh, this whatsoever. Yeah, no, no. Um, but I, it's a question. It's a question. It's a question in many yeah. people's heads, you know, like – or even why would you continue to go and have another child? Um, well, I guess there's so many factors in that. One, for me, I was very young. I fell pregnant at 21. I had my eldest by uh, 22. Um it was all I knew. Mm-hmm. It was it was my safety net in a way, and I know that sounds silly, but it's also the family that comes behind that one person. Those, you know, people that you look up to as parents because you were only a child and you yeah. grew with them. Um, his his siblings, uh, cousins, and and you know, it being such a close because we were such a close family, um, you feel like. Well, one, you're going to lose them. You don't, you know, they're their support. They were my support crew yeah. in a way because they were the parents were the only parents that I could tell. They yeah. were the only two people I could tell. Yeah, were his parents. So, um, and then going on to just wanting to feel like a sense of belonging and having the same surname as yeah. my kids, and yeah. that sounds so silly now. Like I, I say that out loud, and sometimes go, "Oh my goodness, what was I thinking?" But I think you just accept that as life 
Yeah, and and like I said, it doesn't start. It doesn't start straight away. No, and you, or every day. No. You know, it's just here or there, and you yeah. think, oh, you know, he needs to go and see a counselor, or maybe he needs some help, or yeah. mental health is a big thing, and I can support him. And then um, I think the more and more you accept, you sort of just keep accepting that next step. And you remembered who he was before. Oh, I I held on to that. Yeah. I, you know, I just hoped for um the moment that I'm gonna get my best friend back yeah or the respect from my best friend that's the thing yeah and then you fell pregnant with your third child uh yes yep so fell pregnant with my third child and at that point he was obsolete in the parenting situation this I can cut this out Mm -hmm. was she conceived consensually yes yeah yes I actually wanted four children. I did. Well, luckily you got seven. <laughs> well, that's right. Yeah, that's right. I'm sure my body's thanking me too. <laughs> but um, no, I just, as a young child, I've always wanted to be a mum. I love, I love nurturing. I love caring for. I, you know, it's all, all I'd thought about. And then, um, so I had my two boys close together. Or we had our two boys. They're two years apart. And then I wanted a break and I wanted another two. Mm. But... Um, things had escalated by that stage and when I had my daughter I I think I'd also started to mature and realize what I'm actually bringing these children into which is another thing I curse myself for every day and and feel so guilty and you know as we all do as women we constantly Mm. criticize ourselves so much Um, and I think that's where we also go well this is why you don't talk about it because we're so um, hard on ourselves. We are we're, our own worst enemies. We are. Yeah. And, and then you're exposing potentially somebody else to do the same mm. and that's when I think people just deal with it, don't they? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that's one of the reasons that we're having this conversation is to try and the more we can talk about it, the more we can, we can make it socially acceptable Aware. to actually talk about it. That's it. We yeah. can raise awareness. We can let people know what would be useful in this situation or what's helped somebody or what's really not helpful in those situations. I know. So. And, you know, that one one huge thing that I would love to see more of, um, just those little cards that – those little cards that have crisis care or um, all the, all the helplines on there mm. because I honestly felt I was so alone. Um, I knew my family wouldn't understand. His family – had accepted it and just kept saying you making know excuses making excuses yeah and it wasn't until like I was in a ca- I was in counseling and it wasn't until one day my counselor actually slid across a piece of paper and it had the domestic violence circle on it and she knew I was in denial and I, I could never label it so she said I want you to read that when you get in the car mm. and I remember opening it and reading it and I was reading going tick 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 and then it was like weight had been lifted off my shoulders ah. because I actually had it's got a name a name yeah. or I'm not I'm not just making this up in my head yeah. or I'm not just dramatizing it or maybe I should just make do something to make him happier or you know mm. and from there I just thought and then I found one of those cards in my doctor's surgery and 
it's it honestly it did save my life in the end um crisis care did step in and and i'm so grateful and i just if any woman needs just to talk to anybody without having to go to that next step of mm. making the move to get out crisis care the women's counseling they're just amazing amazing humans that sit on the other end of that phone and somehow just know what to say to um to get you into a clear way of thinking and let you know that everything is going to be okay and i think you know somehow they know what to say because they hear it often you know you aren't alone i know and and while that's devastating sometimes it can be really useful to know that you're not the only person going through this correct yeah yeah um, and so I will make sure that I've got those phone numbers included in the show notes yes, for today great. as well. That would be beautiful. Um, and it's really useful for me to hear because I'm going to make sure that we have some of those cards printed up with all of the different yes. numbers on it. I'm going to leave them everywhere. <laughs> so. I know. I actually gathered a lot. Um, there was this la- uh, lady at the police station that when I made my first report, um, she had a whole heap on her desk and I actually made a thing of her, asked her if I could take them and I went around to all the doctor surgeries yeah. and just dropped them there and I put them up on the pin-up boards because it could just be that one person that just needs to talk. Yeah. Because it did, it saved me, it really did. That's it. And if that running around saves one other person... Oh, my goodness. It's totally yep. worth it. Yeah. So before you left, um, what was it... Well, I guess before you left the first time, what was it like? What actually helped you leave that first time? Um... I don't think anything helped me leave, to be honest. I um, I think it was one thing being pushed around and bullied and, you know, put down constantly and screamed in your face or your, you know, furniture going across the room or, you know, I think that's one thing. But um, mm, I was sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. And I think that took me to a different level emotionally on how I can can deal with this and different kind of it is being violated. And that was the first time I rang the police, mm-hmm. even though um, there were so many times his parents used to say, "Just call us and we'll come and help clean up the mess and clean <sighs> you up." And that was them just me feeling that it, it should this be accepted because these people have. You know, they have this life altogether from my point of view as a child. They're yeah. married, they're together, they've got family, they're all close. Um, and I put a lot of trust into these people. But um, So can I ask about that? Like, yeah, when of course. Did you, when did you first tell them or how did they first find out that this was happening? Um, because they were very close to, to us and mm-hmm. um, my children were their first grandchildren. Mm. We've seen them all the time. Yeah. So... Um, and as it was his, not so much his dad, he wouldn't do it in front of, but because his mum always just uh, made excuses, accepted, um, yeah, I, I just tolerated and, and um, she she would have known from pretty much when it started. Um, and little comments, she would, she would come over for the day and play with the kids and... You know, he would treat me quite rudely or um, – and that's the thing. It just starts off with the little comments yeah. or it starts off with me picking up his mess or um, me being, you know, not validated mm. at all within the ha- home. 
um, and spoken about to her rudely. And, you know, she'd say, oh, you know, you don't treat your wife like that. And um, and then it escalated and she, she sort of just kept saying, well, you know, we'll help you. And um, Did it ever happen in front of her or in front of them? Never physical mm. abuse um, toward, onto me or the children, but like breaking stuff or yeah. mainly my things, which is what they mm. generally I've, I've now sort of starting to realise that that's a pattern. Yeah, well, I'm not going to break my own stuff. Oh, <laughs> that's no, mine. that's right. But <laughs> I, I don't think they care when they're yeah. at that stage. Yeah. You know, there's no value on anything. If they mm. don't value another human, you can't yeah. value a possession, can you? Stuff, yeah. So, um, but yeah, they would have known for a long time and as it did escalate, uh, she sort of made more excuses but yeah, when um, he'd he'd actually gotten quite rough with me the time before and they came over and they said, look, you need to ring the police Mm. next time because we can't deal with this. Um, And then the next time was when he sexually assaulted me and I knew that that's I'm not doing this you yeah. know what this is one step that just can't be taken away from me yeah one thing I mean just can't you can't take that away yeah um and what was it like going to the police how did that it was horrific yeah it was really horrific so this is how it all panned out so um he made the children my two boys stand there and watch um even though Prior to being actually sexually assaulted, uh, many times he would make me strip down and stand at the end of the table while the kids ate their dinner and he ate his dinner that I'd cooked for. And as I moved, you know, I'd get abused or or hit because I'm trying to cover up. Uh, If I ever tried to put my clothes on, then that was just something that I was going to, you know, um, have to pay for and my kids I just remember were just sobbing at the table because I knew this wasn't right yeah. and mum's mum's upset and I just got to the point where I had to black everything out and just look at my kids and just tell them it's all okay eat dinner because if, if they didn't eat dinner they'd probably get thrown across the room or thrown at me or something um, so I'd be like you know eat up it's all okay everything's going to be fine and then once he's had his, I don't know what it is, but um, and he he would leave the house, you know, I'd obviously get dressed, but mm. um, comfort the kids and just say, you know, this isn't how it should be, but yeah. but you know, his guys just mum's okay and oh, that's um, that's horrific. Yeah, but so when when I actually got sexually assaulted, I remember I told him. Oh no, I went and hid, scrambled, and I was hiding in my cupboard and had my mobile phone and I rang and um, my kids were screaming in the background because he'd gone into their rooms and dragged them out or done something. But um, So the triple zero could hear it all. Um, an hour and a half later, the police came. Okay. And in the meantime, I was scared because I'd made that call. Yeah. And I knew there was going to be a repercussion yeah. of of me exposing him now yeah. to authorities. Um, so he went outside and I just locked the doors and we just sat in a room and no one came, no one came and then... That must have been the longest hour and a half of your life. It was actually humiliating yeah. because something horrific has happened to me and something that feels like nobody cares. You've violated. Yeah. You, you know, it's a, even though he's your husband at the time, mm. 
it's a violation and you feel so dirty and yeah. I honestly, honestly understand when you see movies and the yeah. ladies are trying to scrub themselves. Yeah. It's not because, you know, they're, it's just a really sad, deep feeling of darkness and, and you, you just can't explain it. But I ended up bringing his parents and so his parents came and I told him what had happened and mm. he was still outside. He was happy to sit outside. Um, so Adam was still at the property. Yeah. I'm inside with the children. His parents have entered the house and we're all sitting down talking about it. And his mum 100% believed me and I said, look, I've rang the police but they haven't come. And then his dad just said, are you sure? Do you think I could be making like getting it wrong do you is know there a confusion here yeah I think it was do you know you're actually gonna be putting on a um criminal record to my son so you know um and I remember I flipped I flipped at him and I just said get out of my house yeah you you, you cannot come into me get him at, and say this stuff into my own home and then Adam seen me having a bit of confrontation, so he came in all angry and and um, yeah, it just escalated from there. The police came after a little while um, and pretty much just said to me, "There's a lot of paperwork to do for this." Do you want me to get you a pen? Um, have I, you know, made anything up or have I? Um, so in that time, I just felt like nothing. Yeah. Yeah. But they gave him a 24 hour move on notice. <laughs> uh, what's it called? A, um, a VRO? No, no. Oh gosh, no. no. No, a, um, something order. Anyway, mm. uh, he has to, had to stay away from the property for yeah. 24 hours. So 24 whole hours. 24 whole hours. So I had 24 hours to sort myself out and my children out. Um, and you were at your best at that time to be able to be making those decisions and to be able to oh, be yeah. seeking support. Yeah, and totally. at this point, yeah. the police, no form of understanding that there are numbers like crisis care. There are, I had n- I was just blind. I just thought that the police were going to come and help me like you do on the movies, yeah. you know, or growing up you think everything's going to come along it? and save yeah. you and, yeah. So what year was this? Uh, this was 2015. So about seven years ago. So we're not talking about something that happened in the, you know, the 1970s or the oh 1980s, gosh, no. something like We're talking no. about this is the very, the very recent past. Correct. Yep. I'm horrified that so recently they weren't offering you support like, you know, like local refuges yeah, or that's right. advocate support. workers yeah, or you know exactly yeah, yeah yeah that's it's absolutely horrific that you didn't have access to that and that they went oh look this is a lot of paperwork you sure you want to go through with it yeah and you know you keep in mind this is like two o'clock in the morning yeah so they're probably your children are traumatized as oh, well my, the children are absolutely traumatized and um here i'm sitting explain justifying myself to Two grown, two grown men. Well, that's right. And you just go, okay. So yeah, that's that was the outcome. No, mm. no after support. Me feeling like um, I've overreacted or I've, I'm dramatizing something. 
um, which in myself reassures my feelings because you tell yourself every day, you know, I'm just, this is just how it's it is. It's not as bad as I think it is. Up, yeah. Like, you know, just soldier on. Mm-hmm. Um, so everything's sort of being reassured there. That, uh, I sort of don't have words, which is quite unusual for me. <laughs> yeah, well, that is true. Yeah. <laughs> so the police, they left and you're left alone with 24 hours. Did Correct. you leave? Definitely the next day I left. Mm-hmm. So by this stage it was, um, I don't know, say three, four o'clock in the morning. Um, and believe it or not, as my kids did every day, they they knew up at, to get ready up for school the next day and um, go on as usual because this was nothing abnormal apart from the, you know, mm. where it had ex- escalated. Um, and, yeah, I did leave and I, I remember... I got him off to school and I came home and I'd, I've already had a list sorted what I needed to take. Um, my, now, keep in mind, my thoughts here were he he's going to leave the house. Mm. Like, you know, this is my... That's what they show is, you on the TV, well, isn't it? They change the locks and they go away. Yeah, well, <laughs> well, once there's a police report yeah. and something such, such a horrific event, it's the children's home and safety yeah. and security and... I'm, I was the main caregiver. Yeah. Um, so in my mind, I'm like, okay, we'll just pack, you know, a week's worth of clothes yeah. and everything's going to be fine. And and then I thought, well, where, do, where can I go? Like, actually, this is what we need to start thinking about. And I rang my parents and um, I remember my mum, she's so old school, but um, and yes, it's something that I've had to overcome and a lot of lot of lot of hours in counselling has yeah. had to help me get through that. But um, she said, "Oh, uh, just so I said, you know, um, police came last night. They've re- removed Adam, and um, he's been quite violent to me. And the kids have been exposed, and I have nowhere to go. Can I come and stay with you guys for a little while?" And um, she said, "Oh, okay, love. I'll just talk to your dad about it, and I'll give you a call back." <laughs> So I hung up the phone and I just burst out crying because you know for the it's police aren't yeah, yeah but the police aren't there to validate it his your in laws aren't there to validate it which that you can sort of like yeah. make excuses for and then when your own blood says I'll give you a call back and don't get me wrong of course we were allowed to go over but it's just that it's that you had to ask permission and you were allowed to go over not just you couldn't just rock up on no, their doorstep your with doors your open. bags and no. yeah. Um, and yeah, we stayed there, but you know, my silly thoughts of, you know, the authorities and the Mm. people that we think are there to help, unfortunately, there's so much red tape and that's what I've later learned. Um, I was there for a lot, I was out of home for a lot longer. I was homeless for a lot longer, let's say that. Um, so four weeks I was with my parents and my dad, uh, I remember this very old school and you know, I'd, I'd worked really hard and um, there was a lot of investment at that in that house yeah. and he just said, you've got to face the music and go back and fight for what's yours. So he was thinking of the investment side. the money rather than you. But I don't think, because I hid it for so long, yeah. no, one, no one actually knew the extent, you yeah. know. And that, don't forget that they've brought this boy up as well. Yeah. He's like their child, yeah. you know, because... When you've known someone for that long and you've seen them grow into a man, 
and you're not being told about any of this stuff, mm. it's really hard to put yeah. that into perspective. And that's often something that, that we hear about and that we see is the version – so, you know, you live two, li- two versions of your life. Definitely. There were two versions of Adam as well. So there oh, was definitely. the version that, you know, charismatic and the popular oh, boy that turned yep. into the popular man yep. and um, – that that's what everybody saw. Yeah, and because you know we weren't we weren't financially um, financially quite comfortable. Mm. You know, that was the boy that had all the toys. That yeah. was the boy that you know um, was the fun, yeah. outgoing, and but people closer to him also knew the dark side. And but he was also he was a family man. You know, so that's what other people saw correct was they saw him taking the kids to school yeah. they saw him at sports day and those kinds of things well so he never went never ever 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 once went to a sports day ah. except for the the time that it was it was all unraveling yeah never once went to the school he was and this is the thing right i think myself i portrayed him as the family man yeah. that i wanted other people wanted to see yeah. Um, and you build that up in your head so much that you actually think, you know, because he goes to work, yeah. which that was in and out of work. But anyway, but when he does all these things, you go, yep, you know, like this is this is how it is and we bought our, you know, ha- second house together and this is all just moving forward and growing and, you know, all of those things. But um, it wasn't until it hit court and um, I was in... Um, I forget the name they call him but you called into a like a conference room and you just sort of they ask you questions so Mm -hmm. it's a court um, memorandum or I don't know Mm -hmm. anyway um, and I remember him asking me oh is he a good dad and I was like yep and then he's like well explain to me what what do you mean and I said well oi like they do they take him to sports and I'm like no he's never taken him to sports does he watch their sports? No. And my kids are big on sports. Yeah. Um, oh, well, does he take him fishing or do this or that? And I'm like, no. And he goes, well, when is he actually interacting with this child for you to say that? that he doesn't cook dinner, doesn't, you mm. know, clean, cook or clean or anything for him. Family bonding. Actually, he makes them sit at the dining table and watch them him humiliate their well, mother. Well, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, I didn't think of that at the time. Yeah. But, um, I'm, I'm not sure that would have gone in the plus column. I but know. Still. Exactly. But, you know, I'm thinking to myself, I'm just trying to find um, the reasons that I actually had why this in my mind. Yeah. yeah. But even just have that thought. He is a good dad. Yeah. But, you know, I said, oh, because he sits out the back and he watches them kick the footy. And he goes, but does he get up and kick? And I'm like, no, he'll sit there with a beer. And he goes, that is not parenting. That is not being a um, good dad. Yeah. And I remember going, oh, you know, you don't really get it. And, and then I thought about it and I'm like, you know what? You're so right. Like everything that he didn't even change nappies, yeah. you know, bathroom, nothing. And I just always thought that that's all okay. So I was making excuses, yeah. continuing, continuously making excuses. Trying to keep adding to that picture of... It's know, okay or yeah. justifying it to yourself, mm. yeah. And to other people. Yeah, that's yeah. right, yeah. And the hard part is that then when you do share that with people, you're going, well, that's not fitting with this this picture that I have of Adam and what you're telling me. They're not marrying up. No, that's right. And that makes so it so much harder as well. Definitely. And for people who 
um, aren't close and see the way we even like, you know, because when you get to this point, you're not exactly affectionate to each other in in other people's company. In my mind, I'm just on eggshells watching how much he's drinking, um, is anything upsetting him? Uh, if the kids like annoyed him, is yeah. you know one of my the boys being too loud or, you know, and you start just going, like you're just watching watching body language. Yeah, yeah. Now you were doing that, but I th- I think that you said that your kids were doing that as well. So they yeah you know they could tell that things were going to happen before you could tell, and they had their they had a safety plan in place. Oh, definitely, one hundred and ten percent, and you know. Um, feel like the worst mum in the world. Um, I'm just going to put it out there. You're not. Oh, thank you. <laughs> um, no, but you, you know, you do. You feel like the worst mum in the world, exposing him to this. But there's so many different factors of. Okay, if you do leave, then, then I'm not going to be there to protect him when mm. they see him. Um, what state of mind is he going to be in? You know, there's just so many factors or even just having the security and safety for him. Like many nights we slept in my car because we'd had to flee the house because he was so angry and we could get away that one time, you know. Um, But, yeah, it's funny because my eldest boy, he's definitely been here before. He's an Mm. old soul. Um, And he could read his dad the minute he walked in the door. Yeah. And it was funny because I could see him looking for the body language. My middle boy is a free soul, that one. He's just like, <laughs> he'll just come up why why everything's happening and just ask a question. Can I have an apple? You know, <laughs> he's definitely a free soul, that one. And love him love for that. it. Totally oh, me too. As to what's going on. That's me as a child, I'm sure. <laughs> I look at him and I think, oh my goodness. Um, and my daughter, she was only a baby and she just wouldn't leave me and she cried all the time and she wouldn't go to anyone else. And, um, but what the saddest thing is, is um, when it was all happening and quite often Adam would leave the house after, you know, uh, he's lost his crap or he's mm. just had enough or can't yeah. deal with his anger anymore. Um my eldest boy, who would have gathered all the children and put them into his bed and they would have sat in the dark quietly, um, then came out once all the chaos and the noise was over and he would clean up or he would clean me up. And, you know, this boy is like such an innocent innocent child and yet he's being exposed to this and just wanting to to help and you know many over many of the seven years I've had people come and say you know like judge or you know whatever and I just say at the end of the day I did what I what I could do Mm. um and my kids my both all three but both my boys have not one violent bone in their body they're the most compassionate caring they respect me um and I've always been open with them yeah. Totally. And I just think um, you just do what you need to do and they're your kids and you know them better than anyone else and you just do what's right for you and your family. Don't listen to what other people are saying or judging you mm. or making comments because no one knows you or your kids and the relationship that you guys have together. Yeah. And look, I mean, sitting here listening to you talking about it and your eldest was – he was a baby. I mean, you know, he mm. was – what, upper primary school when he was doing this? Well, he was actually, um, I would probably say, 
four or five once the abuse was constant. Yeah. Yeah. So, and his little brother, you know, he protected him and loved him and um, and then a little girl and, you know, so he became very, he became the protector, I yeah. think, in his mind. Yeah. Um, which is really sad, but he he's a good kid and, mm. you know, yeah, you just, you do what you need to do, don't you? That's it. And... And that's not in any way minimising what any of you went Mm-mm. through. You you did what you needed to do to survive at the time. Oh, correct. And and what I had, what tools I had at mm. the time, I did my best um, and the support that I had. And, you know, and, me- and mentally, emotionally and also maturity is yeah. a big thing because I was only young. Like I look back at it now and I think... In those years, I've matured so much mm. and I, I would deal, I've maybe have dealt with the situation a bit differently, but then would have I, you know? You, it's very so. difficult to think, like to actually be able to think and function when you're in a state of fight and flight for, for and any period of time, but for a prolonged period of time. Yes, with so. no sleep because, you know, you, you're sleep deprived because, you know, you, you'd be asleep and... He's not home yet and mm. you're just waiting for that roller door to go up to either listen how he's going to walk in. And yeah. this is the silly thing. You know the the steps, you know the breathing, you know so much more than you. Your awareness yeah. of somebody else's presence becomes so heightened. And within those first few minutes of how he put down his keys or how he drove in the carport, it would then put me into okay, like this is where I'm okay, you know, or I'm or really we're not in for a be, night, yeah. and I just my biggest thing was to protect the kids from it. Yeah. So quite often I would like, um, you know, take it or try to keep it in our room. But once he worked out what I was doing, he then started going dragging me into the kids' room, or he would bring the kids out to watch because he knew that was hurting me because I was protecting my kids. Yeah. Um, and that's that's where I really knew, obviously, things <laughs> things aren't quite right. Yeah, and and that's it. Like, I'm not condoning any violence at all, so I don't want that to be how this is heard. There are times when people are in a moment of anger where you can, you know, there's there's no thought in what they're doing. Now that no, doesn't mean that it's right. okay. But that's it's, right. I mean, I've been there where you slam down the keys when you're yeah. so angry, or you slam that cupboard or shut, you snap, or, yeah. or you you know whatever that might We're be. We're all human. Yeah. yeah, but that's calculated, and it's at somebody else's cost. Yeah, you so know, to, to bring so no thought about how this is actually impacting the children. Just how can I make this? How can I make this more traumatic for her? Yeah, yeah. And and it really did. It went on and on. Like even I never knew what gaslighting was. Mm. Never, ever. I think you found out the hard way, didn't oh, you? <laughs> I, I only found out like after. Yeah. And I was just reading something going, oh, my goodness, this is my life. <laughs> like, well, it was my life, you know. Yeah. Um, and then like rumours started and he, would, he started contacting parents at the school and yeah. they're and telling him that I'm a prostitute and, you know, like minimising me not just behind closed doors at this stage because yeah. he'd been exposed. Yeah. He's taking it out within my own little community because that's the school and my kids' sports yeah. was my only um, community. And part of that, by going behind your back and telling the school, you know, it's undermining your credibility. Yeah, yeah. So really yeah. it's not about the fact that he's done this you're not to be believed, you're not reliable, you're, no, not, yeah, you're not credible. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. So then you went back. Well, that's the thing. I didn't go back. I was forced back. So mm. from so let me just um, go back to where mm-hmm. we were. So I was at my parents for four weeks and my dad said pretty much you have to go back and face the music and there's no way I was going back because in this time of the four weeks I had been trying to seek help outside my own ability or my, yeah. you know, and I don't didn't have much family support. Um, so I ended up, you know, I was going back and forth to the courts trying to find out what I can do or I was trying to find somewhere for me and my kids to stay. And the courts, they were super helpful? No, that's a, that's another day's talk. Um, it's just that's another to, total yeah. topic. But um, now what had actually happened in between, so the 24 hours, I went up to the police station mm-hmm. and um, met this beautiful lady and she just um, brought me into this room and, you know, I'm in a state of shock and um, I was so scared and I just begging for someone to help me type thing and and she sat down and she told me my story before I even told her told her what yeah. I was here for she said word for word of what's you know and it was so um validating yeah but it was really like wow like mm. this is but she did say to me you need to go home and you need to pack your kids and your stuff all your personal belongings that are important to you because he will break everything and mm. I was like, okay, uh, then you need to go to the bank and you need to take out enough money, like what's, you know, yeah. it was a joint bank account, take out half. Yeah. Be f- fair, don't do anything the wrong way, take out half. Now there was $60,000 sitting in our account. And then the second, uh, the third thing was to um, just have no contact or whatever yeah. else. So I went home, packed all my personal belongings and took all my breakables oh that was the other one sorry go to Centrelink and oh, declare yeah. that you're, you're yeah. separated they will be able to help you with some form of assistance yeah. okay so I went to Centrelink I got all my belongings but I could not take the money out of the bank account <sighs> because I had been so abused for such a long time I I knew that that would make him angry mm-hmm. and I knew he could find me if he wanted to find me yeah. and I've taken away his kids from mm-hmm. even though it's not they're not important to him um it's something that he can use against me and I knew he'd find me so I did and I ended up couch surfing probably for the next 3 months mm. But funds ran out and Mm. I couldn't financially support myself and I had gone through lawyers to try and get some of that money out of the bank but it had all just disappeared. And I had no financial support. So I was forced to go back um, and the minute I walked in the door, he said to me, you're not leaving this house alive. Yeah. How did that, I mean, look, I can imagine, but how did that make you feel? I knew, you know, I've known this man for 18 years by this stage. Mm. I knew that he was telling me the truth. And all I started doing was preparing really for sorting the kids. Mm -hmm. And um, I felt I had no other support. Yeah. Yeah. How hard was it walking back into that house? It was harder closing the door. 
it was harder because it was the house that I'd made home. Yeah. So, you know, that moment I closed the door and I walked out, I looked at it and it's my home. Yeah. You know, it's got my kids' baby photos around. It's got yeah. the the colour blanket that I've yeah. chosen because, you know, we all love those things, especially as women. I think it's a, it's a comfort zone and um, I had to walk out. But walking back in felt really cold and... Yeah. Um, and it's really yeah. hard just, you know, it's just stuff. It doesn't matter, but it does. It's comforting and I think yeah. I'm a very sentimental person yeah. as well. Um, but when I got back, the house wasn't like it was, mm. you know. There was all just things broken and my photo, the kids' photos down and um, a month's worth of dishes for me to clean. You know, that's um, that it stunk. Like he's obviously had a lot of parties there and I believe there was like women coming and going and... Um, it's just one of those dirty feelings that yeah. I don't want to be here, but I have to be but here what because what I, what, where, where can I go? Yeah. And what can I do? So how long were you there before you finally managed to leave? Well, everything escalated from there. I was tortured in my room for three days. Oh, I my was, God. I was tied up and tortured for three days. Um, I was kept away from my kids um I couldn't see my kids and I remember my two boys would just be banging on the door crying screaming for me um and I'd try to climb through the windows sorry they just wanted a hug and you know um you can't you can't cry or you can't howl like you want to howl is that natural instinct that you just want want to you just do what you need to do and I and I took it and um he went on a, I'm, I'm only assuming because I don't use drugs mm. my friend's circle they're all family orientated and I'm only assuming by this stage um he was on a bender for three days so very unpredictable very unpredictable um I was raped many times that throughout that time I wasn't no water no food it was just it was it was horrific and things done to me in a sexual manner that was just you wouldn't even animals wouldn't even do it to them to eat there you know yeah it was really hard but um I don't know I think I just lived in this zone of just existing by this Mm. stage and felt like I can't get out shut down emotionally and just go through the motions so one night um it escalated so badly that he it went on for hours and you know it choked me until I couldn't breathe in front of the kids and then I'd drop to the floor unconscious or he'd drag me into the kitchen and just sling me around and jump on me and just do horrific things and then I seen a knife come out of the dishwasher Uh. and I just thought this is it and I was telling my kids just go into the room close the door mummy loves you do not come back in. Yeah, or oh, they knew, they knew, and I was, tr- I was even thinking I'm saying my last goodbyes. Yeah, well, that's what know? I was thinking. I don't want you to come in. I don't want you to see. Yeah, what's going to happen here, and I don't want you to be the one to find me. No. Yeah. Um, and anyway, he dragged me out the front, which I don't know why, by my hair, and um, now there's security cameras that have actually shown me this footage, and it's sickening to actually see. 
somebody treat another person like this and he smashed my head 40 times onto the brick oh pavers and he jumped on me like I was an animal, like he was trying to squash me as an ant. And I tried to fight back. I, I threw punches and I tried to kick and scream and get out. And luckily the neighbours had heard um, and the police arrived and he got a 72-hour move-on notice. And oh my god are you kidding me why would <laughs> no but but it even gets better at this point the police were actually allowing him to get into his car and what yeah and drive away and i just but after you know it's probably two hours by the time they've got him down the driveway taking his yeah his things and the paramedics and the police are with me inside and i've said they're trying to settle the kids strangers are trying to settle my children yeah. at four o'clock in the morning that's not going to help but anyway thank you yeah i do appreciate it and you know what this one police officer was absolutely amazing he sat with me and he said to me look, you need to leave. And I said, I know, I want to, I can't, I've tried. And he and he goes, what do you mean you've tried? And I, I um, paramedic lady, I said, it's, there's a box there. And I got this box together and it had all of every incident that had happened yeah. and um, photos and evidence and things that I'd done to try and get out. And I just tipped it up and I said, this is how much I've tried. And he could see the desperation yeah. in my face. And he said to me, DCP's on its way, just so you know. Um, oh, my God. So then on top of everything you worried, you're going to lose your babies. Yeah. He just said, if you stay here, they're going to take their them. children are gone. And I said, I'm not ever letting anyone take my children. Yeah. Um, and then within that moment, I it's all a blur, but I remember this lovely lady, which I'm assuming she was some form of crisis care mm. or whatever and um, she just gave me all the information and and that's what I mean it's it's just being aware of yeah. the help if you've listened to previous episodes of the hidden world of women you have no doubt realized that these shows don't come with any kind of direction so it's a conversation and it's getting to hear people's stories so often I'm as surprised as anybody listening to find out where the episodes actually end up so Cassie was so incredibly generous with what she shared and, and going into so many different facets of her experiences that there was just no way we could fit it all into one episode. So what we've done is we've um, split it. So I've cut it where, um, where we're talking about Cassie leaving and then I'm going to pick it up for the next episode to finish Cassie's story to where she is now. Thanks very much for joining us for this episode today. And thank you again to Cassie for sharing so some such incredibly personal information. Uh, and I would encourage people to share this episode because we don't talk about family and domestic violence and we don't talk about sexual violence. And it's really important that people know that they're not alone. So whether you know somebody who this may who may find this useful, or whether you don't, I guess you don't. If you share it, you don't know who may need to hear it and who may actually hear it. So we look forward to joining Cassie to finish off this episode for episode 44. Thank 
you for joining me for today's episode of A Hidden World of Women, a podcast brought to you by Women's Health and Wellbeing Services. For more information on the services we offer, head to whws.org.au or Women's Health and Wellbeing Services on YouTube and social media. Looking forward to the next episode where we uncover the hidden world of women.